0: Hi there. Welcome to Grafted Branches, where we talk about Jesus and how to get to know him in his Hebraic context. I'm Drew McKenna, and with me is my lovely and wonderful wife, Deborah.
1: And let me add my welcome to all our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us as we explore together the words and teachings of Jesus in the context the listeners of his day may have understood. In our latest podcast... We talked about what it means to be called Messiah or Christ, which literally means the anointed one. As the Messiah, Jesus is Lord and King, the person who leads his people in life. We also understand if he is our Lord and King, we voluntarily subject ourselves to his rule and authority. There seems to be just one problem. What kingdom is he lord
0: over? And that is a fantastic lead into our topic, the kingdom of heaven. I think what is interesting is Jesus spoke and taught more about the kingdom of heaven than he did about himself. However, somehow teaching about this kingdom has been lost in our faith communities. Christer Sendahl, a prominent theologian of the 20th century, said this: quote, it seems that the kingdom of which Jesus spoke has been swallowed up into personalized Christology. The kingdom language, with its powerful theological potential, has somehow been neutralized and emasculated. In plain language, what I hear him saying is this. Salvation, as a personal relationship with Jesus, has been taught so much, it has been replaced or eliminated Exactly what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God.
1: Christer Stendhal also warned people, quote, May we so preach Jesus that we lose the vision of the kingdom, the mended creation. Wow, I think he's right. Jesus preached the kingdom while the church preached Jesus. Historically, the church has centered their preaching on the person of Jesus and hasn't given adequate attention to his teachings.
0: Yes, And I think if we ask people what the kingdom of heaven or God is, most would say it's about the life to come, or maybe after we die, or maybe when Jesus returns. Many people would say it's not here now. It's something in the future. The problem with this idea is when Jesus taught, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness to his listeners, It was all in the present tense. In fact, the very next thing he teaches is, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. And I believe this affirms he's talking about today and not the future. If these are the teachings of Jesus, and we believe they are, it is very clear seeking God's kingdom is something done in the present. So as we explore its understanding in first century Israel, it is clearly... Not a future event.
1: I would agree. There seems to be a lot of confusion today concerning the terms kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. Most people don't understand that they both mean the same thing. Because of the third commandment, not to take the name of the Lord in vain, Jesus and his contemporaries used euphemisms in place of God's name, such as the place, the tongue, the name, heaven power, and others, so they wouldn't speak God's name in a frivolous way. In Mark and Luke, we find the term kingdom of God, perhaps, because most of their Greek readers would not have understood the euphemism. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, and most Christians don't understand that the phrase, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, is what scholars consider an excellent example of Hebrew poetry or parallelism. Hebrew poetry does not use rhyming words, but parallel thoughts. They use similar thought structures, but worded differently. They are used frequently in the Old and the New Testaments. Deborah, can you give us a good example?
1: Well, I think a good example is found in Proverbs 21. Wine is a mocker and strong drink is a brawler. Wine is paired with strong drink and mocker with brawler. The ancient rabbis and teachers enjoyed using this form of teaching to make a point. The kingdom and righteousness are not separate teachings, but similar, related, and connected. God's kingdom and God's righteousness essentially are a package deal. We can't have one without the other.
0: I think a more literal translation of Jesus' teaching on seeking the kingdom might help us understand him a bit more. Literally, he says this, that we need to seek, look for, find, first, that's the first thing we do, this kingdom and his righteousness. I think the case can be made, the kingdom we are taught to seek is one based on his righteousness which should make us ask the question, what is his righteousness and what does it look like? Uh, One Greek dictionary describes the use of righteousness in this way. Righteousness is thus conformity to the claims of higher authority and stands in opposition to lawlessness. I think basically what Jesus is teaching is this kingdom, the one people are to seek, is based on God's authorities and rules.
1: I imagine for many, any suggestion of following rules makes them immediately think of legalism and being saved through works instead of faith. But could it be that our understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is has been lost over the centuries? Many people see the seeking part as looking forward to a future escape from hell and not a day-to-day way of living. Since you and I are always saying context is king, It is really important to remind our listeners of the context Jesus is teaching in when he says, Seek first the kingdom. This teaching is right in the middle of what is probably one of the greatest teaching of God's instructions ever, what we commonly call the Sermon on the Mount.
0: Yes. And I think one of the things you you might notice in his teaching, nowhere does it say that Jesus teaches this. Please follow the rules because they will get you to heaven. He just doesn't do that. What he does do is cleverly teach the difference between God's kingdom and the kingdoms we as humans build with our own ideas and hands.
1: Drew, since our podcast discussions are about understanding how and what Jesus taught in a way his listeners understood... How would the people have understood this common first-century idiom, the kingdom of heaven?
0: Let's hear what a Hebraic scholar has to say about what the kingdom of heaven would have meant to Jesus' listeners and what it should mean to those of us who follow him today. In his study, The Kingdom of Heaven, Joseph Frankovic writes, A key verse in the quest for attaining an accurate understanding of the kingdom is in Matthew six thirty three, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you.
1: At this point, our listeners might be asking, why is this so critical in understanding the kingdom of heaven?
0: Because being able to identify it as a Hebraic parallelism is key in interpreting the phrase. Hebrew poetry is a common-used method of expressing an idea. In this case... The kingdom and righteousness go hand in hand, as we said before. They're not separate ideas. So
1: what he's saying is we can't have the kingdom of heaven without his righteousness or his righteousness without his kingdom. That would make a lot of sense. They go together like marriage. Without a bride and a groom, there can't be a wedding. When I was first studying about the kingdom of heaven, one thing I noticed was it was not mentioned in the Hebrew Bible or what we called our Old Testament. So without understanding the culture of first century, we might mistakenly think Jesus is developing a whole new idea and teaching on his own. As always, after digging a little deeper, we actually find Jesus is using this phrase kingdom of heaven, which was very common in his day his listeners immediately understood what he was teaching about.
0: Yes. It appears as kind of a technical term in both the New Testament writings and in rabbinic literature. Frankovic tells us if we were to ask a Hebrew-speaking rabbi where in the Old Testament the kingdom of heaven first appears, he would say, quote, the Lord reigns forever, unquote. It's a quote from Exodus 15, 18. It is the song of thanksgiving after Israel passed through the Red Sea. He goes on to write, quote, They sang this song because they had been redeemed. God had delivered them in the most dramatic way from their enemies. They had seen it with their own eyes. They had walked through the parted waters. Thus, the sages concluded that the kingdom of heaven was first manifested at the parting of the Red Sea.
1: Our listeners understand that God saved Israel from the Egyptians by passing through the Red Sea on dry ground, and that God is always sovereign over his creation. But that's not what is meant by the term kingdom of heaven, is it?
0: Frankovic emphasized that the rabbis fully understood God's sovereignty over all things. However, there's a distinction between God's absolute sovereignty over the universe and those who have chosen to recognize His sovereignty and obey His will.
1: This is where understanding the Hebrew words for kingdom of heaven brings greater understanding to Jesus' teaching.
0: In Hebrew, kingdom of heaven is mahuk shamayim. Mahu comes from a three-letter root, which means king. Lachamelech means to enthrone someone as king. Shamayim in Hebrew means heaven, and it is a common way to avoid using God's name in a common or frivolous manner. Frankovic adds, The rabbis enjoy talking about people of faith who submitted their wills to God and were allowing Him to reign in their lives.
1: I think there are a lot of people who would acknowledge that there is an omnipotent God, but few people take the next step and respond to God in a radical way and make God king in their lives.
0: The kingdom of heaven is all about community and people who have individually yielded their lives to him and desire him to reign.
1: We aren't talking about people who follow a long list of rules. What we're talking about is the kingdom of heaven is established upon people who have submitted to their, will, their will to their heavenly father. They have made God king, and he reigns in their lives. Unfortunately, in our current Christian culture, we cringe at the thought of submitting or obeying. We talk a lot about freedom in Christ and chafe at the idea of following any type of rules.
0: Frankovic points out that God did not make a laundry list of rules first and expect people to bow down to them. The reality is we all tend to reject rules and to try to find an angle around them. He does point to a rabbinic parable, and I'll read it for our listeners. A student asked his teacher, Why were the Ten Commandments not mentioned at the beginning of the Torah? The rabbi responded, this can be compared to a king who entered a province and said to the people, I will reign over you. But the people answered him, you have done nothing beneficial for us that you should merit reigning over us. What did the king do? He built for them a wall. He built for them a water system to bring water inside the wall. And he went out and made war on their behalf against their enemies. Then he said to them, I will reign over you they answered him, yes, please reign over us. Thus God brought forth Israel from Egypt. He divided the sea for them. He caused the manna to fall for them. He raised up a well in the wilderness for them. He brought the quail for them. He made war against Amalek for them. And then he said to them, I will reign over you. And they answered him, yes, please reign over us.
1: God saved them from the kingdom of Pharaoh and brought them into his kingdom. Essentially, God redeemed them first and gave them the Torah, his instructions for living. That's what Jesus did. He first healed, fed, taught, and cared for people. That's what led them to desire God's kingdom. Hmm, we're beginning to see a pattern here. First a person experiences the redemptive power of God, and then they respond the normal response once a person has been saved, redeemed, or set free is, "Yes, please reign over me." No one wants to live under a tyrant. The King of Heaven is about God's redemptive power impacting humanity. It is a present reality.
0: I want to mention something uh, we talked about in our last podcast. Uh, the name God gives Moses is Yahweh Barhe often translated as Yahweh or Jehovah. It means past, present, and future. God told Moses Israel would no longer know him as El Shaddai, the God of power, the God who created time and is always with his people, past, present, and into the future. Why do I bring that up? Because the final words of Moses' song in Exodus 15:18 are this. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. The Hebrew translated forever is olam and has a broader meaning than forever. It's something that starts now and continues into the future. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the idiom kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is used about 45 times, while eternal life only about nine times. In John, the emphasis is given to eternal life over the kingdom of heaven and has caused confusion about the differences. In part, I think, because the Hebraic understanding of these phrases has been lost over time.
1: Christians talk a lot about eternal life. However, the people of Jesus' day understood the term as olam haba, literally, the world to come. And that is distinctly different than the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God.
0: In Hebrew, when haba is added as an adjective to the subject, it means the next something. For instance, shavua haba means next week. And we could do the same thing with a day, a month, a year, and so on.
1: Most people don't understand the term eternal life is also a first century Hebraic idiom. It was understood to mean not just something that begins in the future, after we die. Rather, it starts now in the life of the believer and continues into eternity. I like the way Ray von der Lahn describes it. It's a life lived according to God's word, a life of completeness and fullness. It's a life in harmony with God, real life. It gives fresh meaning to Jesus' words from John 10. Quote, I came to give you life abundantly.
0: To prevent uh, confusion, I think we need to sum it up this way. The kingdom of heaven is at the heart and center of Jesus' preaching. The kingdom of heaven is defined as the reign of a God wherever it is found. It is established upon people who have submitted to the will of their heavenly Father, and they have made him king, and he reigns in their lives. Eternal life is not just about the next world. It starts now in the life of a believer and continues into the future. It's a life lived according to God's word, a life of completeness, fullness, and in harmony with God. And that brings us back to where we started. How do we know we're living in God's kingdom? When we make Jesus the Messiah, our Lord and King, and live under his rule that's when we know we're living in his kingdom.
1: I believe Joseph Frankovic says it best. A person who has entered the kingdom of heaven gets involved in people's lives. He or she pursues a lifestyle characterized by mending our broken world. Where there is hatred, he or she sows love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. And where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, Joy.
0: This concept in Hebraic terms is called tikkun ha and literally means mending the world. When people enter the kingdom of heaven, they become a partner with God in bringing redemption to a hurting, broken world. Jesus said this, Seek first this kingdom and His righteousness. The Hebraic parallel is a package deal because His kingdom is filled with His righteousness, And that is the topic, by the way, of our next podcast, the Hebrew concept of righteousness.
1: I can't wait. And I believe some of our listeners will be surprised and challenged when they hear what it meant to Jesus' listeners and what it should mean for us who follow him today. Well, I know it's time to go. So I want to thank all of those who have joined us today. The topics we discuss here are by no means in depth. To find further resources on these topics, I suggest our listeners go to our website, craftedbranches.org, where you will find scholarly resources to help you in your personal studies.
0: And for those of you who would specifically like to dive a bit more in-depth into understanding the Hebraic idiom, the Kingdom of Heaven, articles written by Joseph Frankovic and other scholars may be found on the Jerusalem Perspective website. So until next time, as always, get to know him, what he taught, and then go and live it.